Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Good morning, good morning. How are we all doing today? Doing good. So my name is Elijah. I'll be sharing scripture with you today, and um, I'll be reading from Psalm. It'll be Psalm 24. A Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the king of glory. Amen. Amen. Thanks, bro. Thank you, Elijah. Oh, man. It is a beautiful day, and I'm so glad to be here. Um, Really appreciate what Alex and Lydia shared. You know, a roommate of mine for a number of years, his, he was born in South Africa. He's from South Africa. Um, his parents moved to the United States to become missionaries uh, in the Atlanta area. And I remember when I first heard that, I thought, what? We don't need missionaries. We send missionaries. But the longer I've been alive, the, the more I've realized that the church in America needs missionaries. We've become stagnant in so many ways. Uh, contented. Uh, it's been easy, too easy for so long. And so when the Lord sends us people, no matter what age and stage we're in, it's for our benefit and for his glory. And so we're glad that Alex and Lydia, that you responded to the call of the Lord to leave your country in East Africa, to come to Western Washington uh, to begin to proclaim the gospel. And they've been working in prison ministry for a number of years, and Alex has even written a book based on the ministry that God um, uh, has allowed him to walk out. And we first met because he was looking for a facility to, to run uh, a program for addiction. And uh, we've been so, so glad that God has brought you here. So thank you for what you shared today and what you continue to inject into our church. And really the emphasis of this month, Missions Emphasis Month, was something that Alex uh, brought to me at the end of the last year and said we, we should do this. And so I'm so glad that we are. Um, so this is our, our month, our emphasis month. Um, you know, uh, when I was thinking of, when I think of the call to go, um, one of the, the first verses that comes to mind for me is Jesus' own words in Acts chapter eight or chapter one, verse eight. In fact, it's some of his very last words uh, to his followers. He, he says this in Acts chapter one, verse eight. He says, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea." And Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And what Jesus was conveying here is that what was happening there in Jerusalem um, was going to spread out to the entire world. And it has. And it is. And it's continuing to do that. Um, So this morning... We're going to look at um, uh, one of the the key themes in Scripture uh, about missions, and that is God's missionary heart. God himself has the heart of a missionary. Um, When I think about missionaries, uh, people that have gone and responded to the call of Jesus, I certainly think of people like Alex and Lydia and my former roommate. But I think of one of the very first stories I read about somebody that would focused their entire life on getting the name of Jesus out. I think of a man named Andrew, uh, Andrew Vanderbilt. He was originally from, uh, from Denmark. Uh, in the 1950s, communism had a, a really strong hold on much of Eastern Europe, so much so that there was a phrase that was talked about between Western Europe and Eastern Europe, and that the, there was a demarcation line that they would call the Iron Curtain. The Iron Curtain separated communist Eastern Europe and into, into the, what was then the USSR and the rest of Europe. And while atheism was a, and still is, a core component of communist ideology, many communist countries in Eastern Europe during that time, and we see this still evidence in places like China as well today, they weren't just atheist, they were anti-theist. They were actively pursuing eliminating any belief in God whatsoever. And so this is a reality in much of Eastern Europe. They were trying to wipe out religion from their societies. Well, this man named Andrew, uh, affectionately later on known as Brother Andrew, was one day on a tour in communist Poland. And at the time, the only way you could even go on a tour of a country in Eastern, in, in these, uh, these countries behind the Iron Curtain was Uh, through official communist sources. So it was a guided tour, a heavily guided tour. While he was on this tour, he he met a a Christian who secretly kind of conveyed that he was a believer. And here his eyes were open to the plight of so many Christians behind the Iron Curtain. They weren't allowed to have Bibles. They weren't allowed to meet publicly for worship. You couldn't just go to a Christian bookstore or order uh, a Bible from Amazon at the time. And so they were literally what we call underground. They were hidden in their faith. So Andrew, as he was thinking about this, he felt God call him to a specific verse in Revelation chapter 3, verse 2, where God is speaking to a church in that passage. And he says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. Andrew thought, wow, that's what it feels like right now with much of the church in communist Europe. And so he responded to this challenge from God's word, and he took it upon himself to be a strengthener of these churches. And one of the primary ways he would do this was by getting them the word of God. He began to become a smuggler of Bibles. He tells a story about how he had this beat-up VW uh, Volkswagen car, a very small, and he would pack it full of Bibles, hiding it in the wheel wells and in the panels of the car. Well, one, on one trip, he had too many Bibles to hide. And so they were just in the, in the trunk where all could be seen. And as he was going through a checkpoint trying to get into this communist country, he prayed a prayer. He said, Lord, in your word, you have made blind eyes seeing, 
Would you now make seeing eyes blind? <laughs> and as the uh, military checkpoint, as they searched his vehicle, they didn't see the Bibles. Andrew lived his entire life, and he's still alive today, bringing the word of God to communist Europe. And when it fell, he turned his eyes west, or, for, or I say for, for us, it would be east, uh, to uh, China, where he began to do work there as well. Brother Andrew was just one in a, many, uh, a long line of many Christians who have placed their faith in Jesus, and they've responded to the call to make him known. People like Alex and Lydia are, in that, are counted in that as well. And many of these left everything behind, things that they were comfortable with, things that they knew, and some even have lost their life. And the term we use for this is missionary. Since this is Missions Emphasis Month at our church, um, let's define what missions means. Missions consist of the activities of God and his representatives to bring humanity back into fellowship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. So with this in mind, who was the very first missionary? Does anybody know? Oh, we know that, that China had missionaries in the Middle East bring the gospel, or I say bring the gospel to them from the Middle East as early as the three or four hundreds. They found a stella in the, in the sixth century that, that dict, uh, depicted some of the um, gospel works that had happened in China. So we know that the gospel originating in the Middle East began to move eastward very quickly to China. But even before then, there is record of Christianity uh, being spread and being brought to India. There is Christian communities that claim that the roots of their Christian faith are based in the um, disciple Thomas who brought the gospel to them. Thomas being the one who doubted Jesus. But even earlier than that, a short time after Jesus ascended to heaven in the words we just read in Acts chapter 1-8, we see Peter and other disciples go out into the streets of Jerusalem and begin to proclaim the gospel to many people from many different nations. So who was the first missionary? Well, even before then, let's look at this look at that description again. Missions consist of the activities of God. God was the first missionary. God was the first one that saw his people broken and disconnected from him and he says, "I want to bring them back into right relationship with me." God is the first missionary. So if this is what missions is, is to, to bring humanity back into relationship with God, we also have to understand why humanity would be out of relationship with God in the first place. God's original intention for humanity is that he would have a perfect, a whole, a complete relationship with us. Genesis records this beautiful and, and massive garden that God made where he and all of his creation live together in perfect peace. And, and we see that uh, he actually created the world and he gave it to humanity as a beautiful gift to rule over. We were always supposed to be God's representatives in the world from the very beginning. The gift of our life and of 
all of this creation was a reflection of God's goodness and glory. Yesterday uh, afternoon, I took my four kids and we went to Seahurst in Burien because the sun was shining and I wanted to be by the water. That's my place. Like when I want to feel the stress come out of my body, when I want to take a moment and just exhale and get away from all the things that are bugging me, I go to the water. Whether it's the Puget Sound, the coast where I grew up, or just a big lake. And when you're out there, you feel something different. There's a connection with what we were originally intended to be about, which is this beautiful relationship with God that's evidenced in his creation, that he's asked us to steward and to tend for him. So this was God's heart. And he says to Adam and Eve, he says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Enjoy everything that you have, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Well, you know what happens, right? (laughs) The one thing. The one thing that God asks them to do. And that's all it takes sometimes, right? Just, just one drink, just one taste, just one lie, one wrong decision, and then everything about life can change. Everything about life can come crashing down. Because then that one drink is a thousand drinks. That one lie is a lifetime that's lived out. That one wrong decision has a hold on you for the rest of your life. And this is what happened. Because of the sin of of Adam and Eve in the garden, their broken relationship with God became a generational curse for all of us. Humanity became fractured. And every generation since then would inherit the sin nature that invaded the world at that time. And we all will find ourselves far from God, far removed from what God intended in our relationship with him. But here's the thing, God doesn't just throw up his hands and say, well, that's it, that's fine. If, if that's how you want it, uh, I had better plans for you, but man, you all just go ahead, trash the house, trash your life, just don't come crying back to me. God didn't say that. But some of us live like that's what he did say. We keep it at arm's length, we go, I made that mistake or I did that one thing and it is too late for me. But this is not what God shows in his scripture. Not at all. Instead, God in his infinite love and amazing grace, he comes up with a plan and he becomes the very first missionary. The very first missionary was God wanting to reunite humanity with himself despite their decisions. And so, Really, most of the Old Testament is the unfolding of the missionary heart of God. From Genesis all the way through to Jesus' arrival. Really, through all of Scripture. We'll get to that in a moment. But Old Testament, the Old Testament itself tells the story of humanity's broken relationship with God and God's pursuit of humanity to bring them back into relationship. We could start in uh, Genesis chapter 12. God says, okay, I'm going to choose a a specific family, and through this family, I am going to bring all of humanity back into relationship with me. I'm going to, to enact my missionary heart through them. And so God chooses a man named Abraham. 
Genesis 12 records this. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And here's the key. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. How many people? All people. So God speaks this to Abraham. Abraham has no idea what this means. How could he? This sounds fantastic. It sounds impossible. Me? You're going to pick me? Through my family, you're going to do something for all people? He could only imagine what that would look like. Just a few generations later, Abraham's family has continued to grow, and God then gives them a name, the name of Israel. This was and still is the great nation that God had promised to Abraham. So Abraham's family grows and grows and grows and becomes a nation. Later on in the story, we see that this nation of Israel has become captives in Egypt. They become slaves. They become oppressed. But God doesn't forget his promise because God is a missionary. And so God sees the plight of Israel. He remembers his promise to them. And through miraculous means, he frees them. You know the story of Moses and the Exodus. God frees his people. And one of the things I love about this is as they are freed from Egypt, they're led out into to the desert on their way to a promised land that God has, has pledged to give them. In the midst of these thousands and thousands of people, God sets up a house. Specifically, he sets up a tabernacle, a, a massive, beautiful tent where God lives among this people. Reminding us of what God intended in the beginning is that he would be with his people. So the presence of God is powerfully with the nation of Israel. But again, God doesn't say, hey, this is just, uh, just for you guys. In, in the midst of his dwelling with the nation of Israel, he reminds them of his greater plan. Exodus 19 Verse 5 says this, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So God reaffirms this, and the, the, the picture that he's painting here is they're going to be priests to other nations. They're going to be a holy example to other nations. And so when Israel was living out her identity, she was by nature representing God to the nations. Later on, the psalmist would say in Psalm 96, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. This was God's intent. But we know <laughs> that it didn't always work this way. We know there were times when the nation of Israel didn't represent God well. Just like today, many of us as Christians don't always represent God well. And the Old Testament then records this relationship on loop. God's people reject him, and they try to go their own way, but they only end up lost and broken. But by whatever means necessary, God never gives up. He pursues his people to bring them back into 
right relationship with them. And the stories in the Old Testament are beautiful examples of this. Along the way, God chooses to use people as his representatives. Prophets, priests, kings, men, women, children, heroes, and even cowards. By any means necessary, God wants to reconcile humanity to himself. God is a missionary God with the mission to bring humanity back to him by any means necessary. By any means necessary. And then something happens. By any means necessary, God then chooses to come into humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. He eventually does the humblest thing that the creator of everything can do. He limits himself to the form of a man. He fully enters creation. Jesus, God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. John 1.14 says it this way. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. The same glory that was reflected in creation shows up in the person of Jesus. We can easily get distracted by the miracles and the things that he did that were fantastic. But what they reveal to us is the glory of God present in humanity. The glory of God. The missionary heart of God. Because God just doesn't give up. He loves us too much. How about you? Have you ever just given up? Maybe the task was too hard and the odds were stacked against you. Maybe the relationship was too hard and you just didn't have love to give anymore. Maybe your mistakes were piled up just so high. You thought where you are now is where you're always going to be. This is part of the problem of life, right? There are times when we just feel too powerless to overcome the obstacles or to fix the problems. But these things are never, have never been, never will be a problem for God. Nothing is impossible for him. The one who breathed creation into existence breathed out a chance for recreation for your life. When he took his last Breath on the cross, Jesus thought of you. He said, Father, forgive them. His desire for reunion and recreation took place right there. Unfortunately, though, some people don't believe that. Some people believe they are too far out of God's reach. They've made too many mistakes. They're too old. Their time has passed. They've reached the point of no return. But our missionary God won't take that as an excuse because he doesn't give up. He doesn't let us believe that we are too far gone for him. Romans 5 says this, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is good news. You are never too far gone. With his last breath on the cross, Jesus advocated for your forgiveness. Why would God humble himself as a man, then suffer and die, as Romans says, for the ungodly? Now, ungodly here doesn't mean somebody who doesn't go to church very often. What ungodly means is someone who is living the opposite way of what God intended for their life. It's the rejection in the garden playing out in our lives today. How many of you have ever lived opposite to how God desires? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, then we'll talk later. (laughs) The good news is, everybody that raised their hand, Jesus died for you. He advocated for you. Father, forgive them. Your name. Insert your name here. This is our missionary God. He didn't wash his hands of humanity, even though time and time again they rejected him. Now you might wonder about today. We live on the backside of Jesus' arrival. He's already come and he's ascended to the Father. But the word of God says that while he is there with the Father, he is daily advocating on our behalf. He's daily Saying, Father, forgive them. Forgive Andrew for the sins he's committing. He's mine. He's ours. He's part of the family. So we live on the backside of Jesus' arrival where Jesus is still advocating on our behalf. So does that mean that the mission is complete? Jesus came and he went and it's done? No, sir. The mission is still continuing. God is still pursuing. And all of us here this morning are evidence of that. The very reason you are sitting here is evidence of the missionary heart of God. What Jesus did in the Middle East was he started a movement of holy reconciliation, of re-creation that has been radiating out ever since, every generation. It's an undoing of the sin of curse. It's the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom that is now here, now available for all of us. And it won't be, and it can't be stopped. Because in a thousand ways and through millions of people, God is still actively bringing people back to himself, one heart at a time. In one instance, it looks like a a Bible smuggler in communist Europe. In another, it looks like a, a village woman in East Asia holding secret Bible studies. And in another, it's a twice left for dead drug dealer in South Seattle who's had his life radically changed for Jesus. And now instead of slinging dope, he's slinging truth. The truth about who people were created to be. Invitation to know Jesus. God's heart is for all people to know him and to be known by him. He wants to be in relationship with us. And so the missionary heart of God, it it, it won't be stopped. But, but, it will eventually come to completion. Matthew 24, Jesus' words, not mine. 
And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. That word nations, uh, the original word behind that is the word ethne, which means all ethnic people, not just borders, but every single group of people will hear the gospel. So this is the time we live in. The missionary activity of God did not cease after Jesus left the earth. It increased and is continuing to move today. So again, what is missions? Missions consist of the activities of God and his representatives. You and me. To bring humanity back into fellowship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. So this morning and every morning that you've been alive, God wants the same thing. He wants you to be in relationship with him. By any means necessary, he came so that you would know he is serious, so that you know that you are loved, and so that you would know that last breath before the cross, you are forgiven. That's it. He's wanted this from the moment you were formed in your mother's womb. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died for you and me. And if you remember anything else on Super Bowl Sunday, it's not who wins later today. I pray that what you would remember is this pursuit of a missionary God for your heart. And this morning, if you're ready to receive that reconciliation, then I want to ask that you would respond. That you would respond by saying, yes, Jesus. Let's bow our heads this morning as the worship team comes back up. With every head bowed, if you are ready, if you are ready to say, yes, Jesus, to receive the reconciled relationship that comes through Jesus Christ, then I would just ask where you are sitting there this morning, you would do something so simple, you would just raise your hand. If you have not placed your faith in Jesus, and you're ready to be reconciled to God, right where you're sitting, just raise your hand. I see that. I see two hands. Amen. I see two. I see those hands. And more importantly, God sees those hands. I see three hands. God bless you. I want to pray for you in church family. I pray that you just agree with me in prayer for these three individuals that just raise their hands. Father, right now, these three people that raise their hands, you know them. You know their past, you know their mistakes. You know their current struggles and you breathe the same promise to them that you have breathed for all of us. A promise of new life that begins now. That begins when they have placed their faith in you. So as they have raised their hands to indicate that they are ready to place their faith in you. Father, I pray that you would free them from their sin. The Bible says to repent the, the picture there is to turn away from the former living, to have a change of mind about how you were living, and to set your sights on Jesus. So for you that just raised your hands this morning, this is your time to turn to Jesus 
And you've indicated your desire to do that. And so we stand with you as your brothers and sisters. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. And Lord, would you seal up the commitment that was made today to follow you. And Lord, for all of us, may we be increasingly more so your representatives on this earth. That you might use us in our schools, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods to be part of your mission. To bring people back to you. Thank you for your love and your grace for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.